So welcome, Dylan. Thanks for being here. Thanks, DK. Really appreciate you being making yourself available. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you as a podcast guest. I know we have <laughs> conversations all the time. Yeah. So we know each other for many years, actually. And back in the day, you were you had a, a burger truck. I did. And now you're doing VR. This is true. Right. Yes. And I actually have to say, one of the things I have to credit you for starting this podcast is you said to me, "If I like it, somebody else will probably like it too." Mm-hmm. And it took, and it really dawned on me that there's a lot of things I really wanted to do, but I was always concerned about. I don't know if people are interested in this, or um, there's a market for it. So I was so attached to the outcome, so I never actually get started those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. It was just like a fleeting thought. Sure. But what you said was really pivotal. Because I have been looking for a podcast like what I'm doing right now, intersection, a conversation amongst men, mm-hmm. intersection between what's meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, living this life, and also doing stuff, mm-hmm. right? Do, as an entrepreneur, yeah, and as well as spirituality and everything. So really, really appreciate it. So thank you for inspiring me for thank taking you. that action. Yeah, I'm glad you found value in the conversation, man. I'm very happy about that. I think we are constantly inspiring each other. I think humans think on top of each other and with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I find this to be very inspiring. I love in-depth conversations and, you know, maybe one day I'll do a podcast of my own. So this is very cool, man. I'm so glad yeah. you're doing this. Yeah. If anything, actually, since you're already doing virtual reality type things and you're already doing events, mm-hmm. easily turn that into a podcast. <laughs> it's actually nothing. It's not, not, a, not a far stretch. Yeah. So um, why don't we go a little bit about sort of your starting points, you know, what your pivotal events that made you the person you are, the man that you are. So that way people get a little bit more related to who you are as a person. My name's Dylan. So uh, I've always been kind of, um, you know, fascinated with uh, technology and people and how we interact and how we play and the things that we do. Um, Went to school for a degree in uh, business from Cal State Fullerton. After that, I spent years in like the hotel industry and things like that. After a while, you know, I was very interested in starting my own business, so I looked into a couple of different ways to do that. So uh, there's a number of different small startup ventures that I kind of did and wore a bunch of different hats. So it's kind of like as you, I think as you do different types of startup adventures or whatever you want to call it, you pick up different tools and skills and things along the way. It wasn't until I saw the, the great food truck race the first episode that I was really inspired going, oh, there's, there's a way for me to get into and have my own business that's relatively low cost versus a restaurant that I was looking into that was so expensive. So got inspired from watching the great food truck race. 90 days later, we were rolling out without any experience with our own food truck. So I quit my job. We bought the truck. Uh, we really didn't know anything about the industry, but we just wanted to get in and get going and mess up and learn along the way. You know, we, when we bought the truck, we didn't even know how to light the pilots. To light, we, we asked them, what do you do? Can we shadow you? And they're like, ah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so we were, we were off to the races. And uh, it was really quite the journey doing food trucks and uh, kind of like understanding how they work. And I, I had several pivotal moments going through the business because, you know, like you said, well, when I first started out, I was just trying to get people to like find me. 
And so we came out with the name, the, the Orange County Food Truck, because I figured if people were going to Google <clears throat> Orange County Food Trucks, they would find us. SEO friendly. Yeah, SEO friendly. The only issue is that, you know, nobody could identify with anything. You couldn't identify with, like, who we are, what we did, or anything about it. And so what I'd like to do is, like, I always like to hear what people will say, because I feel people, they have these two counterbalancing emotions. They have how they feel about you and what your things are, but then they also have the, like, they don't want you to feel bad. People, in general, even if you're a stranger, don't want to hurt your feelings. They mm-hmm. don't want to hurt your things. And so, ironically and, and, and paradoxically, they would, you know, not tell you the things you'd need to know to get better at a business. Like, mm-hmm. your food sucks. I don't understand who you are, what you do. And so, you know, a lot of times I would just listen. You know, I'd stand out in the truck and just listen. I'd hear people and they, they want to understand who we are and what we did. And and there was there were several moments in the food truck business that we can always dive into later, but there were moments that I realized that I kind of had to find what I liked and what resonated with me. Um, so just one of those stories, you know, was nobody was going to our truck. We were doing two to three hundred dollars a day, and there's these different moments that other trucks were busy and we weren't. There mm. was just enough people for. Uh, other trucks would be busy and and we weren't so there was something that we were doing or not doing that wasn't allowing us to kind of you know get traction and so I went to a, a bookstore called uh, like Barnes and Noble or something and I opened up a book called uh, Bobby Flay's Burgers Fries and Shakes and I looked in there and there's like these giant burgers and I was like oh my god this Artinian Muchetta cheeseburger with like crispy onion strings and I flipped the page and then there was like this like the you know gorgeous barbecue cheddar burger and I was just like oh my god and that's when the light went off, and that's kind of how I dictated the rest of my startupness. Is um, I like this, and since I like this, and this sounds good, then other people will resonate with that too. You know, mm. I think if you try to sell to everybody, you appeal selling to nobody. Mm. Through the course of a night, we took twelve cans of spray paint and spray painted over my five thousand dollar professionally done wrap, and threw a, a seventy five dollar sticker up, and we became Burger Monster. And uh, we went to the same stops, but then we went from being one of the least busiest trucks to one of the most busiest trucks mm. um, just by some spray paint and having a message that people resonate with and um, going from 26 menu items to six menu items mm. and focusing on quality over quantity. Did that for a while, you know, got bigger and bigger, did more and more work. And uh, it's just funny the the evolution of like business, like the first day that we did it, um, I think very much like life is very much uh, a journey and you have paths that you can go on but there's always these threshold guardians like Joseph Campbell style that will stop you and say are you serious do you really want to go forward and then it's your choice to either rescind or move forward and so the first day we got up at six in the morning to prep all the food and it took us all day to get ready for an event that was six at night through the chef through the shift I was the I was the chef on the truck and so you actually got in Got your hands dirty. Got in. I was on the truck. I was leading it. While we got started, my partner became a vegetarian. And uh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> halfway through, he's like, I'm a vegetarian now. I was like, okay, so we have a burger truck and you're a vegetarian. So I will be testing everything and tasting it. <laughs> you, you do what you need to do. We worked that shift and uh, it was a long, grueling shift and it was very stressful and emotionally because you're trying to prepare food for people. And uh, I actually had this big butcher's knife and I was cutting through this turkey and it sliced through, and I and I cut off. Oh wow! My, Look at that. My pinky finger, and it basically filleted open. And I had to put a rubber glove, tape that, put a blue glove on, tape that down, and I had cooking 
my first shift with one hand. And wow. Yeah. And so at the end of it, I think we did like, I don't know, $200, $250. And I was just like, oh my God, that took 16 hours. That cost like 150 bucks. And, you know, between four of us, we made this. I was like, oh, that's, this is hard. And uh, we looked at the numbers and we're like, oh, how are we going to do this? And we're like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, fast forward years later, you get better and you fix things in business. I feel that businesses never start great. I think they always start wherever they start. And then it's a series of fixing a million little things. Mm. And as you do that, you figure those things out. You get a little bit better at different things. And uh, to one day we had, you know, we're doing these big events. And, you know, over coffee in a half an hour, we planned a a weekend where we, you know, would do close to ten to $15,000 a day. Mm. And so, but just... But that happened through a slow, gradual process. But if I would have quit on day one, mm. and then like that would have been my experience, and that right, would have been fifty dollar profit. That's all food trucks are, and I wouldn't have known anything different. And so mm. I think that's true with almost any endeavor you're on. You just you stay on the grind, and if you're really passionate about it, at some point there's a tipping point where the value that you generate is greater than the effort it's worth, mm. and then that's when you know you're really in a good spot for a business. And mm. so carry that same passion, that thought process over for when we got into virtual reality. Well, pause for a second, yeah. Because what you just shared, that story is so inspiring. I think a lot of people, especially aspiring entrepreneurs, they hear all these stories about Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Or Groupon, 18 months, billion dollar business. (sighs) That's what they think. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If if all the stars align, I could be the next, I mean, you could be. You can, you can. The probability is small, but it could be. So let me just, for the skeptics out there, sure. right, who's wondering, like, is it really 1% iteration, you know, every iteration, 1% improvement uh-huh. every iteration towards from $50 profit to $15,000 profit yeah. or, or revenue? Sure. Or is there like a special hack, right? Everyone wants to do that, like a growth hack or productivity yeah. hack or... I mean, I'd say brutal honesty mm-hmm. is your growth hack. You know, like, I mean, really, I mean, if you, the quicker you can be more honest with yourself, more honest with what you're doing, who you're serving, the quicker you're, you're willing to recognize your own foibles and whatevers, the, the quicker you can accelerate. And it's just when people, how long does it take someone to learn that, that issue, right? How long does it take them to figure out, you know, that what they're making people don't want? or they're not talking to the right people. Like there's generally some sort of fear or some sort of unwillingness to look in the mirror of your business, your life or whatever, um, and get totally honest that limits people from growing. Well, okay, let me actually put myself in this position. This is a brand new podcast, sure. right? You know, people all over the world, actually I'm really surprised and flattered that people all over the world are starting to download this. Awesome. Right? So that's awesome. But the numbers, right? If I if I let myself to kind of just focus on the numbers, like oh man, comparing to Tim Ferriss yeah. or whoever, these the big Joe Rogan, right? Your your yeah, absolutely your idol, yeah. And then I'll be disheartened because by no means I'm there, yeah. right? So so then how does one? And I'm not using myself as, a, sure. as an example. How does one continue to go on that path in spite of the lack of feedback, the lack of that immediate you know yeah and i mean it's a you know i don't want to give a trite answer it's just that you know it's about the the reason what propels you like how can you make a should a must and then how do you keep to that must oh say a little bit more please i just just mean like like everyone thinks they should do things i should work out i i should get my life in order i should 
you know, be nicer. I should spend time with the family. I should start a startup. I whatever that should is. But there's some sort of inflection moment, some sort of thing where a should becomes a must, and those are whatever that reason is propels you forward to keep going, right? So it it could be through negative motivation, it could be through positive motivation, but there's something that will keep you on that grindstone. And so you really understanding what motivates you and understanding that you are you are both the dungeon master and the player in the game of life mm. and then figuring out what you can do to keep moving forward. I'm assuming that's uh Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you tell your own story to your life that you then live, mm. right? Mm. And so it's just figuring out how do you keep going. You know, there could be a pot of gold at the end of that, and that's what motivates you. It could be that there's a monster chasing you. That's what motivates you. Mm. Uh, it could be you're doing it for your little kid. It could be that you're you're doing it for just glory and fame and riches. I mean, everyone's got different reasons of what motivates them. The question is, can you understand what motivates you, mm. and then can you keep going? Over and over and over again, until you get to the point of success, whatever that, whatever that, whatever thing that is, is yeah, right. whatever, whatever that definition is, yeah. So let's, if you don't mind, beginning a little personal. What motivates you personally? Uh, like how? Do, oh, actually, you know, back up. So what motivates you, and how did you discover that? Sure. So I mean, I mean, just as one of those examples, you get stimuli by your body, right? You're like your your body tells you things, and you choose, sometimes choose whether or not to listen to it, right? Mm. And so what I mean by that is Bobby Flay's Burgers, Fries, and Shakes. I opened it up. I felt the motivation of wanting to eat the burgers on the page. Oh, I see. And I'm like, oh, well, that <laughs> motivates me. Well, then that might motivate other people. Oh, right. Same thing happened with Oculus headset. I backed Oculus on Kickstarter. Headset came on. I put it on. And I was like, oh, well, this is possible too. Mm. So not necessarily listening to what everyone says you should or shouldn't do, but being drawn by your own mm. body telling you what you should or shouldn't do. Mm. And then trying to cultivate and be aware of those feelings in your body mm. and going, well, why am I not happy right now? Or why am I, why am I happy? And being able to recognize it. But the thing is, we um, sometimes are just so unaware of just the, our, what our body's telling us. This is what I wanted. This is the relationship I wanted. This is the job I want, but I'm still not happy. Well, why? Like, what is that? A lot of times, like, people are like, be happy or do things. And sometimes you, you, you can't, like, get there. You have, to, you have to embody it. You have to be it. You have to move it. And, you're like, and then by willing yourself to do that, you then get into that state. And so I think if you're aware of what causes those states and you can do it, you can, you can create, you know, through your own action and will, a habit of getting into those places and then finding those places and searching for those places and mm. you know seeking out those things. So there's a quote I stumbled upon recently I really like. It's mm. that you can't think your way out of a new action, mm. but you can act your way out of your new thinking or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I've heard something like that. It's like um, you can't talk yourself out of a situation you behaved yourself into or something like that. I don't know, but <laughs> it's 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 to that, to that effect. But yeah, totally. It's a uh, it's really hard to separate your perception and what's real, what's what's like fact from perception. It's like super, it's super tricky. It's really great because mm. you don't know if like, you know, is the seat you're sitting on comfortable? You know, is your, is it, is it hard? Is it squishy? Is it, is it your own perceptions? Is it your perception about this chair and all the times you ever sat on a chair like this that makes you think about this? Is it like you don't, it's very hard to, to, to pick out what causes those things and analyze that and then test those things to reinforce those. So, so many people kind of go with just the flow and they don't ever try to 
actively cultivate you know those things and really understand and ask them stop and ask themselves why they just kind of like they're on the momentum of what they think their family wants them to do they're on mm. the moment of what they of you know i'm on this track you know without stopping to say this will make me happy they they think that the end destination will make them happy that that thing will make them happy and you know it, it may or may not and mm. and sometimes it's it's worth it to to stay on a path to evolve your skills and then realize that that doesn't make you happy but then take those skills and go to another place you know mm. so it sounds like you're pretty self Conscious, like self-aware. <laughs> Did you practice that? Is it cultivated? Were you um, always just uh, attentive to what's happening in your body? Um, just moments, right? As you talked about. Yeah, well, I just it's just something attentive. I actively work on. Um, I'm not saying that I'm I'm great at it. I definitely have moments where I'm I'm unaware, and then I catch myself, and I go, "Oh, why did I do that? Or what did that happen?" And I think the more you check in with yourself, the more you you know, cultivate that habit of, well, wonder what I am feeling right now, or those questions, or whatever it is, then the more you can catch yourself. But I think that there's always some sort of lag between what you feel to what you know. Mm. And so, you know, with people that don't ever ask those questions, they, they never find out what made those things. They might blame the world, but realize it's trauma from their past, or they might whatever. And so, I mean, I, I routinely lead with emotion and don't catch myself until it's too late and then I have to go back at that and go okay what did I do and how do I mitigate that in the future and what can I what kind of habits and things can I train myself on so that I can you know I can I can create a little bit of space mm. between stimuli and response you might concretize that a little bit you know I want to make sure that people are not only inspired but I can actually take on specific action so well, what kind of disciplines or habits do you have as a way to help you lengthen that space uh yeah sure so like i mean there's let me a typical like like awareness practice like you check in with yourself and you kind of go okay what am i thinking what am i feeling what am i doing where am i at what are my emotions and just giving yourself a little bit of time to kind of like look inwards and, and so doing that on a consistent basis so that when something gets triggered you realize that you know in one of the thoughts it's like you are not your thoughts you are not your like emotions you're not those things and if you can separate the being that is your self versus the body that you inhabit your brain that you inhabit then you can you can realize that it, it, you get that disconnected and you can allow yourself to go okay i do this all the time because it's habit whether i i, I go i go to 7-eleven and i go get a, a a coca-cola and every time i go around the corner i go and do that and it's like okay well can you actively cause new habits and new patterns so you know for me it's like for example like sometimes i get really emotional i'm italian i talk a lot i use i get i get, get really <laughs> invested i get very personal and uh and one of my favorite quotes is an idea is never as important as you think it is while you're thinking it mm. so whenever you get those ideas you're like this is it this is the greatest thing or this is the worst thing or whatever maybe maybe it is if you can just kind of take a step back do a breather, take a time out, and give yourself a little bit of space, it get a bit clearer on it. And so, you know, for me, it's like recognizing those feelings in my body, good, bad, or whatever, and either writing down what's going on in that moment, taking a break to kind of reflect back and going, is this what I really want to do? Or having like little mantras or sayings or something that allows you to kind of, when that thing triggers, train your body, Pavlov style, to say, do, respond in a different way. Mm. And you can, you can, 
it's a, I mean, it's an ongoing battle, but it's, it's you know, I think it's a worthy fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I take a lot of notes doing, let's say, an ayahuasca ceremony, and people are always so impressed. Like, how can you take notes? In my mind, I think to myself, how can you not? Because I, it is, you go through this intense experience. Mm-hmm. If I don't write it down, it may feel very significant, very meaningful in the moment, yeah. but then I have no frame of thought mm-hmm. to actually look at it objectively. So writing it down, uh, yeah. what, uh, give me that space mm-hmm. later on to look at it a little bit more objectively. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we feel like we're these like independent little boxes of people and that all we have is you know what's in us and around us and stuff but i think you really do we are connected and i think that you can think on paper and you can think on walls and you can think with people and you can do those things so one type of kind of giving you space is journaling i like to journal so i sometimes do what's called morning pages sometimes we get up and then you just kind of jot three pages down just don't stop and the goal is can you keep going without stopping because it's kind of like meditating is that if you meditate you'll meditate for a couple seconds and then you'll pop off right you'll you'll spin off in a circle or trying to read you try to read and your brain starts thinking about other stuff and i think you train your brain to be able to get more focused and i think it, it, there's a a therapeutic cathartic advantage to that and so for me I kind of trust my own brain that like in the like morning times I'll write things down I go okay Dylan good morning pages what do we want to talk about today okay I'm gonna keep talking I'm gonna keep writing well when I say talking I mean writing I'm gonna keep writing about things and here's my topics and here's the things I need to do what are some of the things I need to work on and I just kind of go 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 and I get that all out to where I feel like I'm hearing myself like I get to my my brain or whatever's going on me gets to be heard by myself Mm. and I think you know so often you want to be heard you want to be heard from other people you want to be heard by this you want to be heard that and I think you know not a lot of people take time to listen to themselves Mm. and to me that's a really helpful way to kind of give yourself some space and feel Mm. like you you have you know enough space enough time enough thought given into things so you talk to yourself as yourself yeah to the to the pages yeah, I just I write down kind of prompts and thoughts and I go, what do I want to talk about? What are my thoughts? And then as the thoughts come down, I keep going. And then, you know, like a monkey mind, I'll forget. My hand will lift up. I go, go back down. I put my hand back down on it. And whatever happens, happens. And then at the usually through the course of a couple of pages, your body will start kicking out ideas and concepts. And then you can go back and look at it, underline all the groovy bits, and then mm. figure out, you know, what's... Groovy bits. Yeah. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Just put things down and then you figure out what sticks. Mm. And some things, you know, some of it's jargon, but then... I don't know. I think it's it's healthy. Yeah, actually. Uh, so I've heard this other practice. This is some very similar. Mm-hmm. It's called the mirror exercise. So a lot of actors do that. They mm-hmm. stare themselves into the mirror. Oh, they start to converse with themselves. Oh, interesting. So it's very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you oh. know, taking your concept, I use the mirror. Uh-huh. You can actually have a recorder and just have a conversation, staring yourself into the eye, yeah. into your own eye. Yeah. That's interesting. That. I like that. Yeah, I do a. I have a you know vision statement thing that I have that I've worked on, and what I do is I uh, I'm very an audio learner. I like to listen. I like to that's the way I process data. So I have an audio recording of my vision statement that I listen to in the morning. Mm. And so when I'm going about my business, I can listen to my own audio statement and I can hear me say that back to me, mm. and that allows me to kind of keep alignment with my best self. 
So for those of you that's hearing some yawning in the background, that's little Buddha yawning because he's bored. He's super cute. <laughs> he's got this awesome like gremlin mohawk thing going on with him. You know, he, he, he looks like he's down to party. <laughs> he yeah. is always. How was that experience? Pulls you into the present. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it definitely gets your attention. There's one thing I want to do that my partner did. I, I just signed up for a thing called a class pass. Mm-hmm. You heard about that? Yeah, yeah. So I did it because uh, there's a I haven't done cryo chambers and that's on the list. And so I want to do the cryo chamber, but I, uh, my partner Matt just did that today, and he was he was trying to think about business and work and trying to figure out something that we were we were stuck on earlier, and he's like I couldn't. He's like all you have is the present moment, and you you have to be present. And I think um, really what makes us the most happy is being able to spend as much time in the present moment as possible. Mm. Oh. It's true. I mean, going back to what you were saying earlier, <clears throat> pain may be inevitable. Yeah. There's a saying in Chinese, 生老病死, means uh, uh, birth, mm-hmm. getting old, mm-hmm. getting sick, mm-hmm. dying. Mm-hmm. These are inevitable. It's part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. But suffering is a construct. Ah, uh, yeah. That we added, right? If you have you done vipassana, by the way. Yeah, I think so. that's the breathing. breathing. No, vipassana is a ten-day meditation retreat. Oh no, no, I haven't silent. Done it. No, I haven't done it. So they go into the mechanics of it and have you just like sit for hours and hours, mm. and no looking at another person, no taking notes, no nothing. So all you have is in your head, right? So it's very intense that way. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a worthy. Um, um, Challenge. Yeah, can right. uh, So many people, <clears throat> we talked about the, like, so much about business and what other things are, what's the hack? The hack is, can you be honest with yourself? And I think so many people find ways to fill their time because they're afraid of spending time with themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so you're bored to jump on your phone, or you're by yourself, so you call your girlfriend, or you, you know, you just don't want to be with you right now and it seems like the most content people are good just they've they've faced those demons and they're they're good with themselves mm. and I feel like 10 days of not allowing yourself to run away will break whatever habits or patterns you're used to of running away it's uh it's it's really challenging <laughs> is, is it, so you've done it I've done it yeah it's really challenging what was like the big was what was the big takeaway at the end of it like what what was it was my first time so it's huh. hard for me to how do I articulate? I'm a little woozy, by the way. So it's a little bit like, um, well, one, number one, I proved to myself that I could do it. Yeah. So that was the motivating factor. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome, man. But but the second thing, was, what was interesting is go, before going in, my biggest concern was not talk for 10 days. Mm-hmm. That was not the most challenging part. No. The most challenging part was just literally be present for 10 days and after day three the walls start to compress so all I had was my mind and it was so interesting just seeing my mind running this path because the brain had nowhere to go Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we're just looping everything I've done yeah uh, that things I wasn't so proud of oh yeah for sure it's just looping and then, then it became a lot of just just like crazy thoughts. 
Yeah, like what ifs or what could have. That just the brain just had nowhere to go. So just keep looping, and that's the thing that's the compressive part. Yeah. So I'm really proud of. I was able to like just sit with it rather than because a lot of people quit. Yeah, I bet. Now not a lot of people can stick around. Even even some of the most I would have bet money on certain people. Yeah. Because they woke up like extra early to take a shower, they go to sleep on time. Like even like they sit still. Even those people, they quit. I was like, wow, so interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, find a re- find a way to keep going. Yeah. Did you? So you found yourself telling stories, living memories, telling yourself stories about those memories. Yeah, and then basically in the end, I had to, I must, just fully embrace who I was, mm-hmm. what I did, what I said. Mm-hmm. And and be okay with it. I think when I go back again, I'm actually interested because that was about a year, two years ago, roughly. Uh, I'm yeah. interested to see where how am I, I able to <laughs> could it, it test myself again? Yeah. So it's interesting. So you also made an interesting point earlier. I'm curious. So part of the thing that makes you the happiest is being this present moment, mm-hmm. right? And to me, that's one of the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Because my mind is trained. My, my I have a, this wild train machine yeah. to project, yeah. to be strategic, yeah. to think ahead. Yeah. So being present is the opposite of that. Yeah. I had a. I was at this uh, cryptocurrency conference thing that we built this um, augmented reality app for uh, for the conference, and I met this super interesting dude who is all into neurobiology. He said this thing that really stuck with me was be conscious with the things that you're will want to change and be unconscious with the things you love. Mm. And what does that mean? So what that means is, you know, if you're unhappy with your weight, for example, uh-huh. you're like, be conscious about the things you want to change. So you're like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to plan. This is what I need to do to fix this. And you, you say, that's what I want to change. You be very conscious about the things you want to change. Be conscious with the things that you want to change in your life. Be unconscious with the things that make you happy. So if you're spending time with your girl makes you the happiest or spending time in the park makes you happier, don't go to the park and then think about what you want to change. Don't go and spend time running around with your dog and thinking about how you need to lose weight. You know, Find the things that make you happy and then be in that moment and lose yourself in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then find the things you want to change and be cognizant and figure out how you want to change those things. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that contrary to what you were saying earlier about being present? Well, I think there's... It sounds contrary. So if you can say a little yeah, bit... Yeah, yeah, totally. That. Well, I think like there's certain things that make people happy, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's certain demons that people have in their life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it, you know you could be present 100% of the time, all the time, I just think that humans also like progress. Humans like to get better at things. Humans like to grow. Humans like to go places, right? Mm. But I think the issue is more about being able to state shift, right? Mm. So understanding, okay, I'm in the state of planning. I want to get better at this. I will allow myself this amount of time to do this thing, and I will work on this thing. After that, I will let go of this thing, and I will move into another state of being present. And you give yourself. I time. see. So still being present. You can yeah, you can be present. It's just it's just the if there's things you want to change, you need to be you need to be conscious about changing those things. I see. And when you're unconscious, like playing with your dog, you're in the present moment mm. because you're not thinking, 
about the bills and how you need to go and do something. And so it's just conscious in the things you want to change, unconscious with the things you love. Yeah. So I heard something similar before. Sure. You said a lot of people think about sex when they're at work and then think about work when they're doing sex. Yeah. That's, that's the opposite of being present. Exactly. That's 100%. So, so, so what I'm hearing you say, well, what that guy said, translating is just focus on whatever the task that you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Compartmentalize or whatever it may be. Yeah, being able to control your state because, yeah, a lot of people, they'll never, you know, let themselves be a thing, right? They're like mm-hmm. always, they're like, you get to work, yeah, exactly. You get to work, you think about going home. You go home, you're thinking about work. You do. You go on vacation. You're never allowing yourself to just be, you know. So is, is there a thing that you do to keep yourself in this present moment? Because mm. it's easy for the brain to run away to yeah. do something else. I don't think there's an easy answer to, to, you know, just do this and you'll be completely present all the time. Sure. I, I think it's, it's a, much like business. There's a, there's a million little things that you can do that mm. kind of slowly get better and better towards that. One is kind of get the monkey mind in check. So work out your body extremely hard, right? So you ain't got any extra energy. Mm. Uh, journal all your thoughts down. Meditate so that you can train your mind that when it wanders, you put it back on. Cultivate the skills of being present, you mm. know? And um, I think if you, for me, like if I drank 15 cups of coffee, didn't work <laughs> out, right? And I, did, I, just, I would just be so, you can, you can flood your system, you know, at the same time. If you ran a marathon if you did something incredibly extraneous you know um, one of my uh, things I like is like there's no greater feeling than lying on the field of battle knowing you gave your all right and, and, there, and there's at that moment that you, you you've earned that appreciation of that moment you know I think if you sat at home all day eating cheesy poofs watching Netflix you know at the end of that day you don't feel great if you had this big challenge and you do this thing and you're gunning on this thing and you gave it your all and then you just lay back like oh that's everything I got. Mm. You you do things that make you proud, and you cultivate those moments. And um, I think those are ways to be present. I think there's all these there's a bunch of factors that will affect your brain and cause you to jump off. You know, whether mm. it's trauma for the past, or things you're putting in your body, or things you're thinking, or things you're eating, or whatever it is. But there's a lot of things that your body will you know not be good where it is. You, you said these things as if uh, it was really obvious, uh-huh. but I personally didn't find it obvious. I had to like learn different paths and then taste uh, <laughs> the, the after effect of not being present. Yes, yeah, sure. And, and, and then long <laughs> enough where then basically then it got hit by a transformational two by four, like an awaxa ceremony or a vipassana. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should change my behavior. Those help. Yeah. I'm not saying it's obvious, man. I'm just I I'm still working on this. I'm not I'm not saying I'm anywhere anywhere remotely close to I've got this figured out. I just know it's like what's the secret? You know, really hard work. You know, it's like there's not like a a really good answer. I think you can get boot camps that will accelerate you there, mm. but unless you cultivate it, you won't keep it. Mm. And you know, there's ways to cultivate it, and it's not. I don't think it's a secret formula it's not it's not science i mean these are things that maybe we didn't know when we were kids but now i mean all this stuff is googleable online and you can find it and realize that like you know there's facets of being a human that you need every day and if you can tick those buckets you know you know you need social connection deep focus time you need rest you need physical exertion you need you need these different things to to really 
achieve that kind of homeostasis balance of you know mm-hmm. everything's okay you know mm-hmm. I mean but the you know and that kind of keeps you in line but you know things can knock you off if you're not aware of it mm-hmm. you know so it's I'm still working on it so one of the latest uh, meditation retreat I went on mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was able to get to see my nervous tics and only I know because mm-hmm. I do like scratch here, adjust things here, and then you know tweak things here. I mean, that's all I was doing the whole time. I was able to like watch the whole freaking thing. I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Oh my god! And what I realized, and thinking back, everything you said, I have minimal nervous tics. Mm-hmm. I was able to just be present when I was practicing karate, mm-hmm. like really hard workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then all my nervous energy just exerted. Yeah. So then I'm able to do this. But when I don't do that, and then I have like extra jitters, and that's when it has to come out somewhere. Yeah. Then it, then it turns into these like nervous habits, or you know, adjusting this, adjusting that. There's a lag effect too. It's what? A lag effect where mm-hmm. like you work out really hard, you've got a bunch of things going on, right? And then like you have some goal to hit, right? You've got to run a marathon, right? Mm-hmm. So every day, like my roommate's gonna get ready to run a marathon, and that. That motivation is causing him. He runs five miles a day, and the next day he's running eight miles and ten mm. miles or whatever. Mm. He's doing those types of things, and I've and I've seen you know some of my friends that like they'll they'll finish whatever goal they hit right, and then they're like, "Hey, I can eat whatever I want, and I'm still fit." And you're like, "Yes, today you can, right?" And then like the thing is like you'll do that, and there'll be a, there'll be like a week's worth of eating whatever you want, and then all of a sudden the weight will come on, mm. right? And mm-hmm. and I think that there's a lag effect with anything you do. And so, yeah, one day or two days, you can get away with not doing those things, and it doesn't really affect you too much. But then it starts to stack, and you mm. and it starts to build, and you have to you have to manage those things and realize that it's, there's not a an immediate, for the most part, an immediate effect of not doing the things you're supposed to. But it, it they will stack and they will build, and you got to kind of manage it. So I'm actually curious. So I learned an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. From one of my uh, podcast guests is heading this project called the Longevity Project. His whole purpose mm-hmm. right now, his mm-hmm. own mission right now, is to help human beings extend their life. Because cool. ultimately, if you have more life, then you have more space to do the things that you love to do, etc., etc. Totally. So his whole premise is: it's not about keeping your vegan diet, vegetarian diet, paleo diet, and your CrossFit and mm-hmm. all these things. He said, overstressing or you condition your body to only for this particular range of homeostasis, let's Mm -hmm. say. He said, that's actually not healthy. His whole contention is you actually want extremes. So go do your CrossFit workout, but don't stick with it. Take time off Mm -hmm. or eat really well for a while, but eat McDonald's. That's his whole thing. What's your point of view on that? What, what no, do you it think? Makes sense. Um, is that, I is think... that accurate, or because that point of view is contrary to how we've been taught? Yeah, I mean, I think that what it is is that I, I think he's got a point to the degree of there's things that you can do that are good stresses and bad stresses. Like for example, if you said you should get up and get really upset and you should shout at someone every day so that you feel better, you know, like that's not necessarily true because. You know, it's it's nuance. There's good stresses and there's bad stresses, right? And I think by expanding out those comfortability zones, like if you go into war and you do an extreme activity and then you come back, 
people shouting at you isn't so big of a deal. And so it is good to stretch stretch those things out. I just think there's there's things that will stretch the rubber band and then the things that snap the rubber band mm. and and knowing what does what is 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 uh is useful like i have a buddy uh who just got accepted into y combinator oh right awesome He's super happy for the yeah, dude yeah. that's uh, great 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 two guys I, I love them both um but he used to do ufc fighting right oh no kidding right oh, yeah, wow. a bunch of fights He's, oh cool he talks like batman i love the guy he's so Serious. great he's so good he's oh, so wow. cool. what a character he, yeah yeah he uh, he does a bunch of he does these extreme activities but then he does great uh, customer development because he's not afraid to have anybody shout at him or yell mm-hmm. at him or say anything because he's used to being punched in the face. And mm-hmm. so, so by comparison, that's nothing. It's nothing, yeah. yeah. And uh, in terms of like you know stretching your body, but I think there's good stresses that you that does help you that when you go back to doing normal daily activities because you've been stressed in those ways, everything else doesn't have those effects. Like um, Rhonda Patrick, mm-hmm. Doctor Rhonda Patrick, she talks about how you basically have heat agents so basically if, if you do the sauna one mm-hmm. thing that they notice is if you do the sauna 20 minutes a day five days a week you have a, a 40 percent reduction in all mortality causes so if you if you go into the sauna you do that you, your heat shock proteins mm-hmm. you have heat shock proteins and you have cold shock proteins uh, maybe i'm mispronouncing it but you do those things and those things get released and it kind of it gives you those extra enzymes and or whatever to basically extend your life to be longer so cryo chamber another another way to do extreme activities but does, is that the same thing with sugar? Should you have piles and piles of sugar every day and put your body through that kind of stress? Probably not. I mean, that's, maybe I'll come out and find out that that's not the case, but I think there's understanding that there's good ones and there's bad ones. It's, it's just knowing what ones those are aren't always clear to people. Yeah. So, okay, let's actually get a little bit more tactical. So what are some of the ways that you do to stress yourself in a productive way? Yeah, I mean, it's body, my heart, spirit, yeah, business, I mean, all these things. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in a couple different ways that you do it, I do it. I mean, like, so example, like, just like forcing yourself to do extremes that you're not used to, like the, the Vipassana, like, right? You're you're going so extreme in one direction that you kind of, you're pushing your brain, your body in that. Another one is like for myself is forcing myself to journal, doing those things mm. that are so long. So you don't like it? It's not a pleasant experience. Well, you're, you want to stop. Like mm. your your brain wants to leave, and you're telling yourself, "No, this is what we need to do. We mm. need mm. to continue on this path. You need to stay focused. You need to stay on top of it. You keep going until you're done." So that's that's one way to kind of force yourself to do something to kind of you know extreme it out. For example, today I ran a couple of miles. I you know ran down to the beach and back, and and I did that because you know it's a it's a good stressor for me. I had this funny thing where, like, I always like one of my fears is like running out of water, right? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> That's just, right. Right. I have a thing, <laughs> right? I remember. I have, I have a thing. I I don't know why. It's either maybe some childhood thing or a past life thing, <laughs> or I just I don't I don't have a really good answer. But I, I I tend to freak out, and so I try to do things that I would feel uncomfortable with, and I just try to manage those feelings, and so. I go running and I don't have water and I, my body starts to freak out. I go, no. I said, look, you're you're going to be fine. We're going to get through this okay. you got to keep going and you you stay on it. That's one of the ones I do. So you just run as far as you can? Yeah. Well, I ran like, it was like five miles and something. And, uh, and it was just uh, along the path, you know, my body starts to like panic. Mm. And so I have to like mitigate those panics and go, look, that, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. Cold showers. That's another one. I do cold showers every day and I go, oh, okay, cool. You know, can I take this? Okay, I can. You know, and I and I try to like, you know, imagine that like, 
there's moments throughout the day that you could you you could freak out, you could snap, you could cry, you could run away. But you, I stress myself out in the morning by doing cold showers, pushing my body, meditating, journaling, a couple other things fairly consistently, and those things kind of keep me grounded and centered in, in those things. I do want to. I haven't done it yet, but my buddy who got into Y Combinator, I've been looking into it. He does uh, lobster diving. What's that? Oh, actually dive into snorkeling. Interesting. Over in the Laguna Beach mm-hmm. area, over mm-hmm. here, at night, where we mm. have one of the largest concentrations of great whites in this area, mm. and so he, <laughs> just thinking about it right? makes me <laughs> right. Wow. And he does it, and he comes up, and he's got a couple of lobsters. He's brought them over to our house, and we've been able to cut them and open them, and learn how to clean them, and then cook them on the barbecue. And it's one of the greatest things ever. But like to me, like that's that's super terrifying, mm. you know. But I think, you know facing those demons and, and ultimately it's like why at night out of all place because that's when they come out they're nocturnal oh, and so the only time is really got to go at night to go and grab them I and stuff see. he had this t- terrifying story about going into a cave where i was like i was like what's your scariest you know moment that you've had and he and he's like okay here's what happened this is my <laughs> it's my i have to say it like this because this is, this, is, this is his voice in my head but he's like he's okay they're in caves right so you see a cave hole and you're diving in so you're holding your breath you go through a hole. You see two more holes, right? You choose the one on the right, and you go through that hole. And you look, and there's this room filled with lobsters, right? Filled. Wow. And then you swim over, you grab the lobster, and you look back, and there's three holes. <laughs> Shit. He's like, what do you do, right? Like, what do you do? And so his thing was, I think it was, he went through one for a second, got panicked, went out, went back through the the right one and then popped out and he goes i'm never doing another cave dive you know while holding my breath again Mm. but you know those types of things make talking to a customer about your product that you over identify with not such a big deal Mm. right and so are you are you willing to terrify yourself to be a better person you know that's interesting so did you say UFC fighter? Mm-hmm. Actually, he went into the UFC? It was professional cage fighting. I don't know if it was UFC. I know he was, I think he only did like four fights or six fights. I mean, and still, he, he, he was, was a, undefeated. He, so. he was, he, he's a pro. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. willingly go into a cage and get pommeled. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, question is about risk taking. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I wouldn't have taken the risk. Because mm-hmm. the probability is of death is not zero. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I I tend to be probably a little bit more. People think I'm crazy because I'm doing like all these things, yeah, and people are like, "Wow, sauna!" And you get you know, yeah. cold shower, cold bath, yeah. and hot bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know that it's relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Probability of death is is nearly zero since it's, it's not yeah. it's not zero, right? So same thing with driving. Mm-hmm. It's pretty safe as long as I'm. Uh, proactive about my surroundings. Sure. But cave diving, probably of death is, you know, it's game over. Yes. So. Absolutely. It's more intense. The qu- The question is that there's, there's people that are like, you know, and, and I, I'm on the same thing too. I, I, For example, I used to run a lot and listen to audiobooks, mm-hmm. right? And I found out that I could trick myself to doing things I didn't want to do by entertaining my brain. I'd entertain my brain while I was listening to something I could run, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, haha. I don't need to cultivate the skill of willpower because I've found a way to hack the system. Mm. The problem is, is there's, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Mm. And so people, like, you maybe 
yeah, you don't actually have to learn how to meditate or you don't actually have to like learn the willpower of running while doing things, but then you lose out on something, right? Mm. There's people that face death that they get a certain amount of confidence and pride and belief in themselves while people like myself, because I would be in the same boat of you, of like, look, I'm a smart monkey. I'm not going to put myself in a situation that's going to kill me because I love life and I think life is grand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but at the same time, then, you know, neurotic thoughts of don't die pop in your head. Mm. And if you're not used to exposing yourself to extreme situations, those issues become s- smaller and smaller and smaller to where, you know, if you let yourself, you'll box yourself into this world where you don't want to talk to anybody because that represents death. Oh, I see. You don't want to take an I'm action. Extreme. Yeah. yeah. And so if mm. you, but the thing is, those types of people, and I'm not putting myself in the mish bucket, but there's a certain amount of they ex- they they legitimately accept death. Mm. If it happens, it happens. And one of the downloads I got from ayahuasca was a man without fear is truly free. A man without fear is truly free. Mm. And the thing is, is that there's one thing to kind of do lip service that I'm 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 not afraid, but it's another thing to like really accept right. death in your heart and put yourself in those situations. And say, hey, if it does happen, I'm okay with it. Mm. And that's a really hard thing mm-hmm. for us to come across because you're pushing against almost every primal instinct. Mm-hmm. But there's a freedom in that because we all have that certain level of caring. What will people think? What if I don't make it? Mm. What if I don't do this? Mm. And if, if you're risking your life, it will change you and mm. you know put a lot of things into perspective. And uh, it's something I strive for. Interesting. So one of the things I... And I come to a realization of is, you know, I'm, I strive to be this noble warrior, mm-hmm. right? But in, I haven't actually stepped into an actual fight. Mm-hmm. Like, not just like a sparring thing, but an actual, maybe a cage fight. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, hmm, should I, shouldn't I? So from this conversation, I'm thinking like, maybe I should. Because this is something that, you know, there's a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of fear. Yeah. Might as well give it a shot. Well, it's like, it's like so many people, you know, people know this, but like everything that stops us is fear, mm-hmm. right? And we all are super afraid. You know, the, the golden Buddha thing, you know, the no, golden Buddha. There's a story about these, these monks, right? There's these monks and they're at this village and they're praying and there's this golden Buddha, right? And the, and the Buddha's made out of gold. And then all of a sudden one day these, these Mongols or some sort of raiders are going to come in and the, the Buddhists have to go and leave. They have to, they have to. You know, and so the monks, they go and they, they, they say, okay, we don't want them to take the, the golden statue. So what we do is we, we cover up the golden statue with a bunch of clay and a bunch of dirt and rot and things like that. So, so they wouldn't look any good, right? And it works. They, they leave and the horde shows up. They look around. They see this old muddy statue, Buddha statue. And like, eh. And they book it and they take off. Well, the monks never really come back. They, they get driven off, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, one day there's a kid playing by the statue and hits the thing and then like a piece of it falls off and he sees gold and he comes back and he starts screaming to the, the villagers, you know, that the Buddha's golden, the Buddha's golden. And, you know, what that is, is a metaphor for our lives that mm. basically as kids, we were all free. We all were all, we were all shining lights and, and we found something, there's some reason why we weren't supposed to shine our light. There's some sort of cause that caused us to basically put on this armor, put on this stuff to cover ourselves up because we didn't want people to steal our essence. We didn't want people to 
insult our passions or whatever that thing is. And you know, so much of life is about basically removing that clay that you used as armor to protect yourself against the world and to be able to apply that and free the golden boot inside you and let your inner self shine. Mm. And um, I just think that's true for so many people. They live in, including myself, you live in fear and you're afraid of what people will think. You're afraid of dying. You're afraid of doing what you're really passionate about. And, you know, part of trying to be a better human is doing proactive things that will shake off mm. that mud or whatever's, you know, stopping you from being bright and shiny. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, I got to thank you for this inspiration. Cool. For what we're doing right now is exactly that. I really enjoy having, you know, to me, deep, meaningful conversations, asking what ultimately makes your life matter. And I've been looking for people who's willing to do that with me. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, very few people are probably interested in this. But thanks to your inspiration, I was like, you know, fuck it. You know, <laughs> I mean, put, the, put on a recorder, have this conversation. Love it, man. With whoever, and then uh, those those that are interested, in, they're gonna download it, they're gonna subscribe, they're gonna comment, and those who don't, don't. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. A, yeah. If you do things that interest you and things you enjoy, you're gonna you will stand for something, and people resonate with that. Whatever whatever that thing might be, because not a lot of you know, whoever, maybe a lot, not a lot of people will like this, and some people find it interesting, and other people are like, you know, I I want to hear about the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm into that kind of thing, and that's. That's cool too. That's right. It. That's, that's all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm glad you're doing it, man, and putting it out there. And it's it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to like let your voice be heard because you know once you let it be heard, then people can judge it. All right. You know? And then you're like, oh no, you oh, know. No, right. and, and, and 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 anyone who's become famous or has a message, and they, they, they will get shit on. There is a certain amount of population that will get shit on. I, you know, I ran a community. I don't do it as active right now, but. I noticed that like when I had when I threw events and I had like a hundred people, there was like one person that was kind of a jerk, right? And I did bigger events where there was like a thousand people and there was a couple more people that were jerks. There's always this ratio of almost everyone's cool, but then there's a little bit of jerkiness. And so if you have a million people download, mm. you're gonna have a thousand jerks mm. and you will and you will focus on that stuff. And mm. it's and it's just about like, you know. So how do you let yourself not be impacted by the naysayers? Sure. You know, the one person or the 10 people or the 100 people who came to your events. Yeah, inoculation. No, say more about that. Uh, just like... Do you... Because do you some people, some celebrities, they mm -hmm. never look at their yeah. comments, yeah. right? Yeah, there's two, there's, a couple, there's two ways to go with it, right? Mm -hmm. like, like with most things in this world, there's probably more, but, you know, you can look at it and face it and accept it, and that's one way. Mm -hmm. So you look at that and you're like, you realize, okay, that... That message is not for me. That message that I got is not about me. That message is about them and being in pain. It's mm. about them and them screaming out into the world of quiet desperation. Why am I not famous? Or why am I, you know, why does my mom always yell at me? And, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then and they, and they look at you and they see your happiness and they and they want to feel better. And so we do a thing called what's it called? It's called deference or something like that. If I'm in pain, the humans mm. are this way. Monkeys are this way. If all of a sudden I get a random electrical shock and I'm like, ow, and I smack you, right? <laughs> my pain centers actually decrease, like in your brain. That's interesting. Because of the deference of pain. And mm. it's because we're social creatures. I'm in pain, so I want you to feel pain. Mm. I'm happy, I want you to be happy. And the thing is, whenever I see people that are really just, just start freaking out on you in, in the streets or whatever they're doing, 
I always equate that to pain. Mm. And I just go, that person is in so much pain mm. that they can't even keep it together that, you know, they're just, and they're like, why won't someone listen or whatever? And so, I mean, recognizing that, generally speaking, that message isn't about you. It's about them being in pain. And mm. then, you know, that's one way to face it. Or you can just ignore it and just never let it, you know, filter it all out, you know? Mm. And that's, that's another way. I think there's uh, repression and then there is processing mm. and you know you can repress things and if you're and if you can have enough handlers that filter out all your messages and then you get all that stuff great right you know good for you but the the healthiest way if you can is to process mm. is to look at that understand that mm. tell yourself a better story accept that and then move on mm. so beautiful thanks for, thanks for that you're welcome so a new question sure support system communities how do you, why are your best friends your best friends? And how do you surround yourself with people who, who elevates, you know, your, your level of consciousness, your level of presence, mm -hmm. business or otherwise? Why are your best friends your best friends? Sure. Yeah. I mean, me, me specifically or just people in general? You specifically. Me specifically. Yeah, I'm asking you. Okay. My friends that I've had, I've had, my good friends I've had for close to 20 years. You know, Matt would be my best friend. The reason why he's my best friend is that I think we very much balanced each other out. I think that my things that I focused on, he didn't. And then he, things that he focused on, I didn't. And so we balanced out each other really well. Um, I was very much like a, a grindy, I've got to make things happen, overachiever. You know, I need to like, you know, self-validate and prove myself and, and grow and get better in those things. And He's very much a, a jolly, everything's okay, where it's all going to work out, you know, things are going to be awesome. The yin and the yang. Yeah. Mm. And so we very much have kind of been like, you know, I'm kind of of the relationship, the prefrontal cortex, and he's the limbic system, and we kind of work together <laughs> in, in harmony in those ways. And I think... I love that you can pull that in. Yeah, well, it's it is, good. It's cool. But as, you know, but, you know, as we spent more time together, and, you know, he's, he's helped run my last business and, and helped uh, run this business as well we've kind of, you know, worked on not only just relying on the other person for his competent skills, but also cultivating and seeking our own skills from that side. So he's become more intellectual. Mm. He's become, you know, you know, more organized and, and all those good things. And I've tried to become more empathetic and more caring and more connected. Mm. And so we did that because I, I feel like our own styles balance each other out really well with each other. And so mm. that's kind of why me and him are our best friends and I think also you know there's odd idiosyncrasies you know people that are you know you have unique traits that you guys both find odd or unique that we we, we both enjoy together and then also battle buddies people that are willing to go places with you mm. and, I, and I think there's been a lot of times growing up with him that you know I've gone places or done things and he's always been down for the adventure mm. and I think that you know so many times you just, in relationships you have you know there's different friends that bring out different feelings and help you along, you know, so, you know, maybe some people are more wild than you. And so they invite you along for the adventure and you just sign it because you want to be that wild person, but you, you just go along. Or maybe they like the fact that you do a lot of boot camps. And so they want you to do those things. And so I think it's about, do they give you the feelings that you want? Right. Mm. And with them is like, do you feel like they're, they care about you and your journey that you're on? Mm. Right. And mm. I think if, if they don't give you those feelings that you want, right? And if they don't give you like the support of, you know, what you're trying to do, then they don't really, you don't really connect with them. Mm. And so a lot of my friends are 
entrepreneurs, self-improvers, people that want to learn and grow and are kind of constantly reaching out to to try to be them best selves and try to make a difference and make an impact and 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 I think those people are very inspiring and I also kind of like you know like with you like you've always been at the tip of the spear of what's possible and there's been so many things that you like I've done you know Burning Man and ayahuasca and all these other things that like a person that was complacent it's cool if they're happy and that's what they do and that's great but then you like people that are you feel are part of your tribe right you feel Mm -hmm. like you connect you feel like you belong and I think people at least for me my tribe are people that are are challenging themselves challenging life challenging status quo and they're not doing things because society says to they're doing things because they want to they they feel like they can make a difference and that's the game that they play mm. so thanks for sharing that yeah i appreciate you including me in that right <laughs> you are man you. for sure 100 percent. switch topic a little bit more so let's look ahead because you switch from a burger truck mm-hmm. to virtual reality yeah. what may say it's yeah. a big jump yeah how did you make that choice and then what do you see possible with the uh, virtual reality sure yeah so a couple things. I mean, one thing being is that, I mean, I use the same guiding principle that I use with burgers. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional big kid, burgers and video games, right? And so <laughs> you think about what really what really motivated me. It was just like I put I opened up the book and I was like, oh, my God, these burgers are amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I put on the v- VR headset. Oh, my God, these things are amazing. Mm-hmm. I was successful in the food truck business by rallying around other people, complimentary skill sets, my peers, and we did food truck meetups, right? So... Mm-hmm. You had a bunch of people got, that got together and you all learned from each other and you all collaborated and the sum of the parts were greater than the individuals. And, uh, you know, we made a, a meetup group and we connected with like-minded people that were passionate about the same things we're passionate about it and we learned and grew and got better. The reason why I think virtual reality is fascinating is that I think that, you know, virtual reality or augmented reality or some people call it mixed reality or extended reality or whatever you want to call it, being able to write the game of life is very fascinating to me. And I think with virtual reality or any of those other types of modalities, you have the ability to step into a world and become immersed in it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we are experiential beings. You are right now, you are listening to what I'm saying. You are watching me, you are touching, you are, you are basically experiencing the world. And virtual reality is basically the ability to a hundred percent take over two of your senses. Mm -hmm. You're, your hearing and your sight, right? Mm -hmm. And so right now we've had the ability to dominate those senses and be able to control that input. Mm -hmm. And so if you are basically um, writing the story of life, if you are controlling your own story, then there is a ways to be able to, you know, tell a different story, tell a better story, hijack that and be able to do that. And so I found it fascinating that, you know, you then for the first time ever in history, have the ability to step into these worlds that we created and then live the worlds we wanted to live to be mm. the people we want to become. Mm. And so that's what I think is possible with it. And uh, it's one of the ultimate mediums because it gives you the ability to connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime, any place. Mm. And, you know, we're all about connecting with other people. Mm. And I think that the reason why we find it fascinating and the reason why I find it fascinating is the fact that you can control your environments you can, can, you know, pick whatever you want to do and then make it happen. And so there's not a lot of technology that allows for that to be possible. Hmm. So for you, it's a no-brainer. 
Well, yeah, it was, it was, there was no brain involved in, it was, in the sense it was just the feeling of, oh my God, this is amazing. If I find this amazing, other people's amazing. Now what's possible? Mm. And then, you know, slowly realizing that people think that this is much like startups and things. They think this is a mountain to climb and I'm at the top. Oh, virtuality is it. Well, no, it's not it. It's just, it's one piece of technology that allows us to become more immersed in a reality that we choose and allows us to you know, be able to be more connected with the world around us and the people that we care about. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if you're at the forefront of that, you, know, you have the ability to kind of shape and choose the path that you go on with that technology. So yeah, I, I think life is a game. It's more fun to do with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, virtuality is one way to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Because some people who is maybe getting to, they may want to consume, they, won't, mm-hmm. they may want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But they may want to. They may not want to be a producer. Sure. They may want to be a consumer of it, mm-hmm. but not a producer of it. So a lot of people are very excited, very inspired by what's possible. Yeah. But they didn't just sell their business to start one. Sure. Right. So how did you make that decision? Sure. Was it literally like a gut check, but like, hey, fuck it, let's just see what happens? Yeah, hey, I think we learn lessons from the things that we've done, right? And so for me, I try to start a whole bunch of businesses. That's just been my thing a lifelong I'm interested in these different types of businesses so when I was a kid I was trying to you know build different types of contraptions and things and stuff and open these different companies all since I was young all the way up till now and the most successful I've been is when I burn the bridge behind me and I follow what I'm passionate about and so you know I tried a bunch of different businesses when I was working at the hotel industry that didn't work. What worked for me was burning the bridge behind me, quitting my job, and then just saying, one way or another, I'm going to figure this out. Mm. And if I had my job at that time, I don't think I would have stuck with it. I think I would have done a weekend. I think I would have burnt myself. I would have cut my finger off and been like, you know what? Mm, Nah, I'm cool. This other thing's much more comfortable. And I think if you don't allow your, remember I told you turning a, a should into a must? Mm-hmm. I had no other way. And so for me, by not giving myself an out, by turning my should into a must, then I was forced to move forward. Mm. And if you just, you know, recognize, you know, that it's going to be uncomfortable now, but if you just stick with it and you, and you, and you want to do this, it will get easier, it will get better, and you will build more momentum. And mm. so burn the bridge behind you, find something you're passionate about, and then just keep going and be open and honest and learn along the way. And that will help you, you know, become who you want to become. Do what you want to do. Whatever, whatever the thing is, that's the way I set it up to make it happen. So tactically, should people just burn their bridge and yeah. go do it? Yeah. Because mm. here's why. Because then you go, well, then, then what happens? Okay, let's just say you quit your job. Mm-hmm. You quit your job. You don't do it. And then you, you do what you're passionate about. Okay. So you'll either find a way or you'll end up on the streets. And if you end up on the streets, what's wrong with that? Mm. You know? You know, and, and the thing is, you just got to go, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth, you know, losing all your money? Is it worth, like, you know, selling your car? Is it worth, like, is, it, is, is your passion worth the risk? You know? Mm. And I think that, like, a lot of people go, well... I have a family, or I have kids, right, right. or I have, I have too many reasons. And basically what they're saying is, I'm scared. Mm. I'm scared and I'm afraid. And here's why my excuse is more important than your excuse. 
Mm-hmm. And t- to me, it's just like, you know, I like to find excuses to keep going, not excuses to stop. And I just... I see. I have these excuses and I'm going to keep doing anyway versus I have these excuses and then yeah. here's why I should stop. Yeah. And if you can make if you can make the reason why you're not doing it being the reason why you are doing it. So I say, well, I can't do this because I have kids. Well, I, I have to do this because I have kids, mm. you know? Mm. And say my, my, my kids would be more proud. I, I don't know. I don't have kids. I can't speak to it specifically. But just, you know, like just finding a way... To you know, say okay, if this is what you're really passionate about, how are you going to go for it all out, and how are you going to make sure that you can you don't give yourself a way out? Mm. And if you can find a way to make sure that there's no way for you to escape, whatever that might be, tell ten of your friends, make a giant bet, put whatever the things start you a podcast, do. start a podcast, right, <laughs> and find a way that like you know, and have plans for that. Like be like, okay, what would stop you from doing these things? Like what would stop you from doing this? And then have a plan for when that thing happens. Mm. So when that thing happens. You know that thing's gonna happen. So if you, I don't know, I'm just trying to think. Like if you if you ran out of all your money, right, mm-hmm. and you didn't have any more money, what would you do to continue the podcast? Right, you know, and just f- find out what would make you continue on that podcast, and then just keep going until it works. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that so many people just they can't find their reason for why to do it, and mm-hmm. or won't allow themselves to see it. And mm-hmm. So. That, that would be my thing, is find a way to make yourself do it. Mm. Got it. Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, what does it mean to be a man in modern times? You know, kind of the, the whole premise of this podcast is for yeah. men to discuss what it's like to be a man in modern times. So yeah. we cover a lot of different topics. Let's cover that. Sure. Yeah. So what's it like to be a man in modern times? I think what it is is dynamic. I, I think that, you know, we had these ideas of, like men are strong and they're they're aggressive and they're violent and they're loud and they're dominating, right? And that was one side. And then we kind of did this pendulum swing into the other side where it's like, well, no, we're we're soft and we're accepting and we're these things. And I, I, I think what it is is it's a balanced character. I think it's someone that is uh, soft front, strong back, wild heart. I think Brene Brown says that. Mm. But I think having the ability to to have strong values, having belief in yourself, having confidence in yourself but also caring about other people, also having that connection with other people. I don't think that a man it has to be like, you know, just such a dominating force. I think a man is, should be someone who's a leader of a village, who has principles, who has, you know, hopes, but is, is vulnerable enough to speak to their fears, but from a way, from a place of power, from a place of, hey, look, guys, you know, this is, this is what it is, and this is how I feel, and I'm okay with that. There's a security mm-hmm. in that. So I think... Being a man is a dynamic character where you're both masculine and feminine and you don't run from those things. You, you embrace them. And, you know, when something threatens your tribe, someone threatens your village, you're the one that takes it and you're the one that takes the, the hits because, you know, your job is to be that protector. But you're also a lover and you're also a friend. Mm. And so you have to hold a multifaceted role. Yeah, in my mind, it's very much a yin and yang principle. We do have the masculine, we do have the feminine. Yeah. And then we, I want that range, Yeah, right? Because in my mind, trained as a Chinese person, you stay in the masculine range. You yeah. want to actually be as masculine as you can. And then I've, I had zero range in terms of ability to be soft and all that. Yeah. So, But throughout my own journey, I had to really come to uh, a, a good situation, a good harmonious point. So I actually developed that range sure. in time. Um, who for you exemplify, uh, could be a fiction person, fictional character or a real person, exemplify that 
modern man archetype? Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think you know this is coming, is uh, is Joe Rogan. I mean, I think Joe Rogan has the ability to not only be strong and push himself and is, is very, you know, demanding on his bodies and his morals and his obligations and principles, but he can also talk about feelings and he can be very authentic and be very true, true to himself. And I think that the authenticity of being, you know, communicating your fears and your desires and the fact that you weren't perfect and you, you need to put that out there and get feedback is, is he exemplifies, uh, in my mind, a very uh, powerful and true man. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, lastly, is there anything that so people wanted to follow with you to continue on this journey with you? Is there any website or social that you wanted to send people to? Yeah, sure. Feel free to uh, visit our website, realitysmash.com, and you can email me, dylan, at realitysmash.com. If you have any questions about uh, virtual reality or augmented reality, uh, if you want to figure out what it is and how you can apply it to you and your business, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to let you know what you could do. Beautiful. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, brother. Cool. Hey, Dylan, really acknowledge you for sharing everything you share, share your story, Mm -hmm. share very tactical things that people can can take on. Yay. And so that they can, you know, follow their dreams and really live an extraordinary life. Thank you so much for everything you shared. I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the journey and the uh, experience along the way.